Hello and welcome to the May 3rd, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's good to have everybody here with me today. And, of course, it's wonderful to be with you as well. So, we've got a few things to discuss today. And I'd like to consider this episode one of the more serious episodes because I have something very serious to talk about. Now, this episode will not... While it does not directly relate to me, of course, like everything else, you'll probably hear a little bit of my story. We've been doing this since the beginning of time. Anything that I've been through, anything that I've experienced, the good, the bad, the um, the negatives, the positives, I've shared them all with you. So I may have to relate some of my experiences to the topic at hand today, but the topic at hand today is a very serious one. And it was prompted, actually, I was able to receive my material by something that took place online today. Now, for those of you who do not follow me at Mr. Bipolar Joe on Twitter, that's basically the only social media app that I engage in. That will be the only form of social media that you'll ever find Mr. Joe on. I don't engage in Facebook. I don't engage in anything else. I don't find anything else to be uh, entertaining. For me, it's nothing but a source of bad things to happen. Uh, uh, I I believe, believe it or not, I do have a Facebook page. I don't have one single friend on it. And it's just a page which allows me to post my podcast episodes. I don't even have the application active on my phone, so I wouldn't know what goes on there. And and that's it. So again, Twitter is my only social media that I engage in. And I will comment from time to time on there. Uh, Recently, I've been doing some, I guess you can call it, daily motivational prayers. Uh, Not not prayers derived from the Bible, but Mr. Joe prayers. Let's put it that way. Uh, You don't have to take it technical. You don't have to think when I say, today I pray. You don't have to think of Mr. Joe down on his knees praying to God if you don't want to. You could even substitute the words pray with today I hope for, if that makes you more comfortable. But I try to be motivating. I try to encourage those that are dealing with a mental illness right now because all of my quotes are directly related to either addiction or mental illness. Now, with that said, I pay a lot of attention to the things that people say online. And... I'll I'll throw a couple of likes out there. Every once in a blue moon, I'll throw a retweet out there. I'm especially fond of people like Becky uh, from that Bipolar podcast, Beautiful Bipolar Borderline. She's one of my favorites. Everything that she says has meaning behind it. So 
She's either going to get a like or a retweet from me, and that's just done with, with sincere, genuine honesty. I, I do it because I like her, and I like it because I like what she says. Uh, and, I, and I take that approach with a lot of different people. Well, no, I shouldn't say a lot. Select few. <laughs> the complete opposite of a lot. A select few. Today, however, I came across a tweet that had me incredibly concerned. And for the first time in a very long time being on Twitter, I was put in a position where I didn't know exactly how to take this tweet. And I did respond to it. Uh, but I was not incredibly thrilled about the tweet. It, it was actually somewhat frightening. It was actually uh, a little bit dis disturbing, to say the least, and, and really because I felt powerless on the other end. So I think that's what's bothered me the most. I almost wish I had this person in front of me. Now, again, if you go to my Twitter, nothing is hidden. You will all see it. It's there for you all to see. But I'm going to read this tweet to you the exact way that it was written on Twitter. And I'm not even going to identify the person. I just know that the person did have the word anxiety in their name. I don't know the exact person's name. Um, but I'm going to read the tweet word for word. And uh, again, this is what I signed on and saw the early this morning. The person writes, I can't help to wonder... If I committed suicide tonight, how would people react when they find out tomorrow? Would anybody even care? Now, I, I, I think I would have accepted it better or understood better had this person stopped at the words, find out tomorrow. How would people react when they find out tomorrow? But instead, she continued on to say, would anybody even care? And for some reason, that, that second part of the tweet really, really hit home with me because it, 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 it instilled in me a feeling that I've had in the past that uh, a lot of times that I believe I would, I would utilize the exact same words to a group of people, usually friends, I wanted to extend that um, comment, I would extend it to the family. And if I wanted to get real personal with my suicidal thoughts or my suicidal threats, which, by the way, there is a very, very big difference between the two. And we'll discuss that in a minute. What I realized is that there was a lot of times where I was posing these threats in the past because I was looking for attention. And I am man enough to admit that. There are a lot of people that will not be man enough to admit that. They will say every single time that they uh, threatened suicide, it had nothing to do with attention. It had everything to do with the fact that they were depressed, miserable, didn't want to live anymore. And that's that. <laughs> you know. But I, I will be the first to admit that there were a lot of times when I was doing it for attention. And that really doesn't matter. Uh, what, what I want to say is this. When people look at suicide as a way to get attention, 
what you're doing is you're basically you're you you tend to minimize the seriousness of the situation now what i mean by that is even though i was looking for attention there is a way that had somebody caught on to my attention or not taken it seriously not giving me the attention that I needed or basically called me out and said I was looking for attention, that would definitely minimize the seriousness of the situation and could potentially lead into me doing something and actually hurting myself, going, taking a step further to see if I actually could get the attention. Anyone who talks about wanting to kill himself or herself is absolutely 100% sending a clear message. And as far as I'm concerned, the threat of suicide should always be taken seriously. A lot of times when people don't treat it seriously, that simply reinforces the individual standpoint that they are not valued, which is why I had in my heart and in my soul, I found it necessary to respond to this person. And, and I made sure that I did so. And I actually wrote it down on a sticky note. Uh, on one side, I put the person's tweet. And on the other side, I flip it over and there's my response. And what I wrote would, was this. There would be a world of devastated family and friends mourning over the heartbreaking loss of a special person. We want to see a tweet from you again tomorrow. We accept nothing less soldier on my friend and my what i tried to do there was i tried to be stern and tough but caring at the same at the same token um i thought that was important because i needed to i needed this individual to know that they were they were being taken very seriously this was not a joke um and, and you know what when you really think about it although it's very hard to determine on social media what exactly the intentions are of the person we don't know the person i mean my god we don't even know if a male is a male and a female is a female sometimes and twitter just like anything else could probably be a a a place where people are looking for attention just like they would be in regular life they're looking for electronic attention let's put it that way whatever it might be this person got my attention and people have all kinds of ways of getting attention however very few people use the threat of suicide to get attention which is why again people should always take a suicide threat extremely extremely um seriously uh they, they, they you know really what it comes down to is people who are doing that like myself in the past we need to be taught healthier ways of seeking attention that's that's really where it comes from i mean you know you have to think of healthier ways to to gain that attention that we're lacking that we're seeking i know this on two separate occasions and i've reported about this i was dead serious about my intentions of committing my uh committing suicide and taking my own life in one aspect and i will not review the circumstances around it because we've talked about it in the past. You could find it on some previous episodes, things like Alcohol 101, I believe I reported there, even Suicide Prevention 101. Uh, I found myself climbing up on a ladder, putting a rope around my neck, and preparing to hang myself from the ceiling of my garage. And my ex-wife 
walked in just in the nick of time and she was able to get me down from that rope and I ended up going into a hospital and I, I walked in that hospital and I was immediately accepted as a patient because of the rope burns that was severely uh, instilled around my neck and I spent 15 days in a psychiatric ward. There was another time that I found myself in the exact same position. Uh, it, was, it was a time when I was coming off psychotropic medication, Cymbalta to be more specific, and I was all alone. My ex-wife left me, and I decided that I was going to take my life once again. And I do know this. I do know that my first instinct was to reach out to my friends, and I started texting them. And, and starting say, started to say goodbye and telling them how much I love. I still remember all of this, telling them how much I love them, and you know, uh, you know, it's been a great, great life. But I, I just can't bear to go on anymore. And although I remember it, I could not even tell you one single response that came in because I didn't care to look because I was so serious about it. Probably had I been seeking attention, there is a very good chance that I would have waited for those responses and I would have accepted the attention for what it was and seen what everybody was writing, which I would imagine was, oh, Joe, 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 don't do it, please don't go, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but I didn't even look. What I decided to do was I started to then take a little notebook that I had at my, uh, within my reach and I started to compose a suicide note. Uh, after I composed that suicide note, and I do not remember anything I wrote in that note, I was in such a manic slash depressed slashed or AKA mixed episode state of mind that I just do not recall what I was writing. I just know it was not good. And I was preparing myself for a suicide attempt by tying that rope around my neck once again. And I actually started to put it around my neck However, I took one step on the ladder and the garage door swung open and it was my father. My father was smart enough to know through attempts in calling me at the house. He had known I was home for the day. I don't remember the exact circumstances around it, but he called and called. And when he received no answer, something told him through his fatherly instincts that his son was in danger. He was able to come home and he was able to save his son because God only knows what have happened. I'm lucky to still be here today and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative for that. Uh, but again, there were times where uh, my suicide threats were uh, not taken seriously. And I got to tell you, even by, the, by my own wife, who I'm married to. There were times where I would threaten to kill myself, and I was damned. I was I was real damn serious about it, and she would leave me. And I believe that happened on the occasion in which I injured myself upstairs, and I've spoken about that as well. Um, I had actually started by slamming my head against the door. I believe that prompted my wife to leave. I ended up going upstairs and cutting myself. I had threatened to kill myself over and over again, and she did not take it seriously. Um, do I know if I was, was it attention-seeking? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, I, I think I was pretty serious since, um, since I was engaging in action. 
at least this, I'll tell you this, people, or even myself as an example for that particular day, seldom make these threats up. And if, by a very slim chance, they are making it up, well, they're making really a cry for help that needs to be heard. The consequences of not taking a threat seriously are just simply too great to risk. And that particular day, my wife risked it. She left me. I don't punish her for that. I don't um, demean her for that. Uh, I understand, actually, because it was really, it was one of her very first instances in which she dealt with me on that level. Uh, Here's the good thing. I had enough wherewithal to get myself under control in the sense where I actually called a suicide hotline. Uh, and I thought that was great. I really did. And um, it's, it's, it, they, they talked me through it. They actually talked me through it. And I, and I was grateful for it. I believe I made two phone calls on that particular day. Um, and they were able to walk me through it, talk me through it. And I, I remember taking a deep breath and calming down and Oh, what a day that was, because if I recall correctly, that was a pure moment of mixed episode and rapid cycling in which after hanging up with that suicide hotline, I remember engaging in poetry and rap music and singing my own rap songs and smiling and laughing. And then all of a sudden, horrible thoughts of, of uh, not horrible, sad thoughts of my children and uh, what they would do without me and, and, and what a poor father I was and what a horrible man I was and a horrible husband and a, and a horrible dad. All those things started to race through my brain and I would start hysterical crying again and it kind of went in a cyclical effect and uh, went on and on and on until, believe it or not, my wife came home. My wife came home and she showed me compassion. I guess at the moment, that is what I needed. Now, something else I recall, very interesting, in terms of suicide. I remember when I was being when I was hospitalized the first time in 15 days. I remember one of the patients who I actually had gotten into a fight with in the very beginning of my stay, and then ultimately we made up, and we were kind of buddies towards the end. Uh, on one occasion, I remember him telling the staff and me being very, very close by that he was suicidal. And I also remember absolutely nothing, nothing happened. I then remember, and if I, I could be wrong, but I remember this young man bringing up a note to the staff. And, and the note, I would assume, was a suicide note. I don't think anything happened. I, I, I believe they, it was ignored. And what I realized and how I realized that he was very serious was when he came to me and he told me that he had planned it out. This was the first time that he had explained to me that he had planned out his suicide for the night. And you got to keep in mind with hospital stays such as this in a psychiatric ward, every possible piece of material slash instrument slash device is taken away from the patient patient to ensure that they do not commit suicide. And somehow, some way, 
I made it through those doors, and even though they made me take the laces out of my shoes, which was extremely uncomfortable, walking around with sneakers each and every day that I had no laces, and they were falling off my feet, um, drawstrings and pants that, uh, you know, had to be taken out, pants were falling down, didn't matter, you had to wait for a new pair from your family members. Somehow, some way, with my winter jacket that I had worn, in the psych ward, it made it past everybody, and I had that hanging up in my room. And this young man, after now, keep in mind, told the staff he was suicidal, showed them what I believe to be a suicide note, and then eventually came and told me his plan, in which he said to me, I am going to use your jacket to either tie your sleeves, which was very interesting, around my neck, or I'm just going to take the drawstring that happens to be holding the hood on your jacket and I am going to kill myself. And uh, me having enough brains in my head, I went ahead and I told staff and I let them know. I said, this gentleman has a plan. And guess why? You want to know what happened? <laughs> the only thing that happened was the next day I woke up and my jacket was gone. And me, like an animal, because I was having an, a, an incredibly hard time with my medication adjustment. Spoken about that as well. It was really, really taking its toll on me. I ended up leaving on medication that did not agree with me, particularly Abilify. And dear God, what a, what a nightmare that was for me. Doesn't mean it won't work for some. Uh, but it didn't work for me. I was a raging maniac. And where is my jacket? And I remember a nurse turning around and saying, this is the SHIT that's going to get you to stay here and not allow you to leave. Um, so I kind of calmed down and, you know, they gave me my jacket at the end. The point I'm trying to make here is that the unit... They, they, their excuse when they actually, and this gentleman again, he shared it with me. Um, they, they told this young man that the reason why they didn't take it seriously was because they had another patient that was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. And in their experience in this psychiatric hospital basically every other word out of their mouth is suicide so they just assume that this young man was the same way <laughs> okay these are the doctors and the psychiatrists and the staff that we were dealing with and so i cannot emphasize enough that a suicide threat even a repeated suicide threat should always be taken extremely seriously it's far better to take a threat seriously and not have it be serious obviously than to ignore a threat and have it be serious if that makes sense and you know i, I don't really know any other way to say it I, I haven't said it in a technical term i haven't said it in words that i don't expect my uh, audience to understand i just you know i say it point blank blunt as i possibly can so how do we handle suicide threats or repeated suicide threats? I mean, I guess the most important thing you could say to someone who is suicidal is I, I really value the life that you live and I want to sincerely help you. What can I do? Um, a lot of times, guys, nobody, nobody is looking for, oh, you don't mean it. Please don't do it. 
Uh, you know, what can I do? That's probably the best thing that you can do for somebody who is uh, repeatedly threatening suicide. I value you. I want to help you. What in the world can I do to help you? You could turn, you, you know, another thing you could turn to the person, you could validate their feelings. Really, you could say to them, man, you've got to be in a lot of serious pain to feel this way. What can I do to help? Again, uh, thank them. Thank this person for sharing this information. Tell them that they have a lot of courage. Tell them they're brave. Tell them they're strong. Don't tell them what they want to hear or what they think about themselves, that they're weak and they're worthless because that's what they're feeling at the moment. Whether they're threatening or whether they're serious, they feel hopeless. So you got to thank them for for being kind enough to share that information with you and then you got to offer your help. Uh, you know, a lot of times with me, I would say 99% of the times when I was suicidal and I've been suicidal, other times, that doesn't mean that I have not tried to, doesn't mean I com- tried to commit suicide. I could think back to me sitting at a dead end court in my new, old Mr. Joe's neighborhood and pondering and thinking about how I was going to kill myself because I needed the pain to stop. I, I needed it to stop. I couldn't take the pain anymore. And, oh, and, and if you haven't been there, think of this. I felt so bad for the people around me that they were watching me suffer and watching me be unable to control these feelings. I, I felt like such, such a hindrance, such a bother to my children, to have them see me the way that I was, I I felt it would be better off for me not to be in this world anymore. So, I guess if somebody is expressing that, or even if they're not, it's safe to assume they might be feeling that. So maybe you could even ask them, what are the other options that we could take? What else can we do? Uh, they, because a lot of times people don't really want to die. I, I, I know this. I didn't necessarily want to die. Again, I just wanted the pain to stop. And you think that death is the best way for that to happen. So what are our other options? What are the other ways that we could address these feelings without leaving this earth? Clearly, here's the deal, guys. Repeated suicide threats, they are symptomatic of, of a severe and serious mental illness, whether it be depression, whether it be bipolar disorder, whether it be borderline personality disorder, whatever it may be, it's the sign of a serious mental illness. And in each and every case, a person's going to need treatment. Not isolation, not punishment, not denial, not um, ignoring the person. Uh, you got to take it seriously. You got to tell them how you value the person. Find other coping skills. Don't tell them to find them. Work with them. Work on the coping skills. Offer the coping skills with them. Because they can't think right now. <laughs> They're not able to think. You got to do the thinking for them at this particular time in a situation like this. <sighs> so, uh, this is what I wanted to talk about today. I don't know how far we got. I guess the bulk of what I wanted to say is a suicide threat should always be taken seriously because it's rarely made up. 
That's what it comes down to. Uh, and, and, and if it's a threat, if it's, if it's searching for attention, well, you know what? There's something underlying going on there. We need to find healthier ways to get attention, even if it is a way to grab the attention of others, family, friends, coworkers. There needs to be a healthier way to express our unhappiness, our loneliness, our, uh, our depression. There has to be a better way. Now, uh, before I take off here, I wanted to say one last thing. For those of you who listened to my podcast episode on Wellbutrin, I want to apologize. I listened back and I realized that halfway through my explanation of XL and SR, I referred to sustained release as XR. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, repeatedly referred to it. So if you haven't listened to it yet and you decide that you're going to go back, anytime that I say XR, I'm actually referring to the SR, sustained release. I'm pretty sure that most of you probably got what I was saying because I identified the extended release as XL correctly each and every time. But for those of you who might have been getting peeved or annoyed by that, I know it annoyed me. I was listening to my own voice. And I don't review my podcast very often. Once in a blue moon, I will play them back. Sometimes when I have a comment from somebody that was interesting, that I, that I don't recall what I might have said, I'll play it back, and then I kind of get into it and I start listening to myself um, just to see exactly how I might sound. And in this particular instance, nobody pointed it out. I just had a feeling. <laughs> I just had a feeling because after I stopped, I said, what the heck was I saying there? Uh, you know, and, and again... I didn't write anything down. When I do those things, they're very. The, when I rustle papers and you hear papers around me, guys, I will usually mention it and I'll let you know that I'm reading something. And it probably would be a good idea if I do read things a little bit more often because maybe if I had XL and SR in front of me, I wouldn't have done it repeatedly over and over again. But I apologize for that. Please forgive me for that, okay? Um, should not be that way. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to give information. We've got to give it correctly. So... Um, that's that. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the fact that every couple of days I'm getting on this podcast. I hope that you're enjoying it also. Uh, I think it's important that we keep touching base with one another. Uh, I'm enjoying it, and, and it's, it's helping me, so I hope that it's helping you. If you're living with a mental illness, I ask you to continue to work hard. I know it's not easy, but make sure that you continue working hard. If you love somebody with a mental illness, if you care about somebody with a mental illness, as hard as it might be, you have to continue to support that person. And in the case that you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask you to just keep on fighting, please. Battle. You gotta battle. I know it's not easy, but battle, fight, and soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Have a great day.